بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد الحمدللہ tonight is the 7th of November in the year 2023 and alhamdulillah we moved on to the fifth night that we're going through the exalted and dear life of the eminent companion Sayyidina Abu Hurairah so the next section entitled His Embracing the Glorious Faith In the books of sacred hadith and tarikh, it is recorded that Sayyidina Abu Hurairah he had embraced Islam at the hands of Sayyidina Tufail ibn Amr the chieftain of the Dos tribe to which he belonged. The Dos lived in Yemen, the region of Tehama, which stretches along the coast of the Red Sea in southern Arabia. When the chieftain Sayyidina Tufail who returned to his land after meeting with our beloved Messenger and embracing Islam, And this is important. So, Hafiz ibn Abdul Bar rahmatullah in his Ad-Dural Fikhtisar al-Maghazi wa al-Siyad, page 65 of the New English Translation, and his Al-Istiyad 2-759, and Ibn Kathir in Al-Fusul fi Sirat al-Rasul, page 86 of the New English Translation, they all stated that this was in the 10th year of the Prophethood, when our beloved Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa had returned from his infamous trip to Taif, Sayyidina Abu Hurairah was one of the first to respond to the chieftain's call. So let's add a few nuts and bolts. So it's the 10th year of the prophethood. So like I mentioned, when we went through our beloved mother Sayyidina Khatija's life, that was the year she passed away. That was the year of grief. Abu Talib passed away, his beloved wife passed away, and he was stoned at Taif. When he returned, Rasulullah returned from Taif to Makkah, the chief of the Dos was performing the Jahiliya pilgrimage. So, when he got close to the holy city, the Quraysh started warning him. And they said, look, we've got a person who's causing families to split. He's a sorcerer. He's, you know, he mesmerizes people. And they frightened to fell to death. And they said, look, we advise you not to listen to him. So Tufail radiyallahu, he was that affected by the propaganda that he actually put some something into his ears. So when he was performing the tawaf around the Kaaba, he saw the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa but he didn't want to listen. So when he's performing the tawaf, in his own words, he said that they accuse him of poetry. Well, I'm a poet. And he's thinking, why am I scared to even listen to him? Because what harm is there in listening to this man Muhammad So as he's doing the circuits, and of course there's no suspicion, because he's not a Muslim, Jahiliya pilgrimage, he takes the whatever out of his ears, and he listens to the Prophet, and he's offering Salah. And he hears some of the verses of the Quran, and it affects him. He goes, this isn't poetry. So to quote a long narration short, Tawfail eventually got to meet the Prophet in safety. And when the Prophet invited him to Islam, 
he embraced Islam. Then the Prophet ﷺ told Tufail, go back to your land, go and try to uh, convince your tribe of embracing Islam. Because he's the chief of those, and this is in Yemen. So Tufail radiallahu, he said, Ya Rasulullah could you give me a sign? If you give me something I can show to the people that will help them to embrace Islam. So the Prophet made a dua and at the end of his whip a light emerged. But the light initially was on his forehead. So when the light was shining from his forehead he or between his eyes he said, Ya Rasulullah they might think this is a curse. Could you please move it? So the Prophet made another dua and this uh, mysterious light moved to the end of his whip. So Tufail, he goes back to his tribe. When he goes back to his tribe, it is here that Abu Huraira from his tribe was one of the first to de- respond to his call. So I've summarized, and that report is a long report which I've summarized, is in Behaki, Al-Bidayah and Hayat al-Sahab. So what happened when Tufail returned, radiyallahu? It is related, Tufail, radiyallahu, first exhorted his parents. His father embraced Islam, his mother did not. Then he exhorted his tribe to Islam. It was only Abu Huraira who embraced Islam. Radiyallahu at first. This is recorded by Hafiz ibn Hajar Asqalani Rahmatullahi in his Ali Isab, page 408 of the New English Translation, or volume 2, page 225. Ayat al volume 1, page 360 of the New English Translation. So, what does he do? He's going by the prophetic example, sallallahu He first invites his parents. Father embraces, mother does not look how interesting. You expect his parents straight away to embrace the faith of their son who's the chief. Father does, mother does not. Then he calls his tribe and none of them listen. None of them. Except Abu Huraira. So we learn something about Abu Huraira. That he was very brave and when he knew something was correct or true, he wouldn't hesitate to endorse it. So this was going against all of the tribe. So this shows that he wasn't bothered when it came to the truth. As mentioned, this was around the 10th year of the prophethood. I three years before Rasulullah's migration to Medina, sallallahu alayhi wa Thus, Sayyidina Abu Huraira was around 20 years of age when he embraced Islam. So like I explained, he is 30 years junior to the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa So if the Prophet is 50 years of age now, with a simple calculation, how old is Abu Huraira? 20. So he embraced Islam at the age of 20 or thereabouts. In another report, another person is mentioned. When his wife came to him, Sayyidina Tufail radiallahu said to her, Keep away from me, for I am not yours and you are not mine. She asked in shock, Why is this? May my parents be sacrificed for you. Sayyidina Tufail replied, Radiyallahu, Islam has separated me from you. Upon this, she also embraced Islam. The rest of his tribe displayed reluctance. This is recorded in Abu Nu'im in his Delay al Nubu'a, page 78, Hafiz ibn Hajar Asqalani, in his Ali Isab, page 408 of the New English Translation, 
Al-Bidaya, Volume 3, page 100. Ibn Sa'ad and Istabakat, Hayat al-Sahaba, Volume 1, page 359 of the New English Translation. So who's embraced Islam? His father, his wife, and Abu Hurairah. So now what's interesting, he said to his wife, we're no longer married, you know, for want of a better word. She goes, why? Because Islam has separated us. Now this is before the command came where marriage of these sorts could not are not allowed. So this shows the beautiful fitrah of Tufel. <laughs> but his wife immediately embraced Islam and the rest of the tribe will, will, uh, will looked at. Now keep in mind, he's not just telling them about Islam, he's showing them the miracle. <laughs> you know, it's not as if he's just giving them dawah. The man has emerged from Makkah, he's calling himself a prophet. He's keep on pointing to the miracle. So they're looking at this and they're still, you know, in denial. Mm. Sayyidina Tufel radiyallahu naturally was furious that his tribe had refused to listen to him apart from the three honorable exceptions. Mm. Thus he quickly returned to Makkah mm. to inform Rasulullah of the state of affairs. So think about this. He went all the way to Yemen and this is, a, you know, over a week's journey. So it's not like he's just going there, going back the same day. He's going all the way back, backwards and forwards. Why is he going back to the Prophet He's furious. Abu Huraira relates the report, Tufail ibn Amr Dawsi came to the Prophet and informed him his tribesmen had disobeyed him. They had refused to embrace Islam. He thus requested Rasulullah to make a dua against them. The Prophet upon hearing this, he turned his face towards the Qibla and he raised both his hands in supplication. The people in their hearts now thought that very soon that those would be destroyed. The Prophet thereupon supplicated O Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide those to me. And he repeated that three times. O oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, guide the those to me. O oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, guide the those to me. This is in Sayyid Bukhari, number 2937, 4392, 6297, Sayyid Muslim, number 2527, Behaki in his delight in Nubu'a, 5-359, Qanzul Oman, number 34,010. You'd expect to fail. He's the chief, he's grown up, this is his family. Who's got more compassion for his tribe? Rasulullah. <laughs> Has he met them? So this shows his rahmatullah alimi. His own, their own chief wants them to be destroyed. Mm. And the Prophet ﷺ makes the dua a complete opposite. He goes, guide them to me, oh my Lord, guide them to me. Another interesting point, some of the, some of the etiquettes of du'a are highlighted here. When the Prophet ﷺ was told to make a du'a, he turned towards the Qibla. So this is Sunnah. So people, you know, when they when you ask them, why are you facing the Qibla? Salat obviously. But it's also a Sunnah to make a du'a facing the Qibla. You don't have to, but it's better. Then he raised his hands. And then he made the du'a three times. So this is also Sunnah, to repeat something three times. Asking Allah the Almighty and Glorious. Mm-hmm. So now, look at this very briefly. So this is the 10th year of the Prophethood. It's still the Makkah phase. 
Tofail has embraced Islam. Has he become a companion? Of course. He's embraced Islam by the hands of the Prophet. The same, you know, few weeks, few weeks later, Abu Huraira embraces Islam. Is he a Sahaba? No. So this is interesting. So he's embraced Islam. But now the question is, when did he become a company? It is possible that Sayyidina Abu Huraira had also come on this second return trip with Tufel to see our beloved messenger for there is an authentic report on the authority of Abu Huraira himself. So some scholars use this as a proof that he had embraced Islam and become a companion in the Makkan period. Which proof? In Tirmidhi number 3864, Sahih Gharib, Mishkat number 5997, Abu Huraira relates himself, Rasulullah asked me, ant, to what tribe do you belong? I replied, Min dos, from the dos. The Prophet said, Ma kuntu ora inna fi dosin ahadan fihi khair. I had thought that there was none amongst the those with any good in him. Let us look at this. Is this an authentic report? Yes. Imam Tirmidhi stated it's sahih. And he grades very few hadith sahih. This is one of them. And it's also in Mishkat. So what was the question the Prophet asked Abu Huraira? He said, what tribe do you belong? Meaning this was the first meeting. He didn't know what tribe he belonged to. He said, I'm from the dose. Look at the word. This is the clue. The Prophet said, I thought there was no goodness amongst the dose. Dose, think about this. It would hardly be feasible that our beloved messenger would have said these words when most, if not all of the tribe had by then come to him as Muslims. Uh, as will be mentioned shortly. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Now think about it. If you say, and many people do say this, Abu Huraira embraced Islam after the fall of Khaybar. Yes, sorry, became a companion after the fall of Khaybar. That's seven years after the Hijrah. Okay, let's go with it. So what was the first meeting? Because why are you asking that? Well, I need to know. What, what is there anything noted about the first conversation? So if he has come with the entire tribe to embrace Islam, would the Prophet have said this? I thought there was no good in the dose. It doesn't make any sense. So the response is, this must have been when he came with Tofel. Right? So, but because it's not crystal clear, the scholars say, Allah Ta'ala knows best. So definitely, what is certain is that he had certainly embraced Islam before the famous Hijrah of Rasulullah. The only dispute being whether he was also honored with the companionship of Rasulullah as well. Have you understood? This is important. People make, you know, they don't study and they start making these statements without even thinking. Because we only spend a few years with the Prophet. And he say, what do you mean? He goes, yeah, he came after the fall of Khaybar. What do you mean? Then the guy goes, we keep asking, what do you mean? And the response is, you're saying something about a sahaba. 
then you say to them first of all, when did he embrace Islam? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people haven't got a clue. They'll say the same thing. They say, oh, when after the fall of Khaybar. Well, there you go, brother. <laughs> Speaking without knowledge. He embraced Islam 10 years before the fall of Khaybar. Not, you're not even close. 10 years. Mm-hmm. And then he goes, 10 years? When, when 10th year? Where does it say that? Then you've got to play back the tape. Mm-hmm. He embraced Islam. The only dispute is whether he was a companion. Mm-hmm. And then you say, right. Is there any proof to indicate he had embraced Islam and become a companion in the Makkah period? Sayyid Hadith, which seems to clearly highlight he must have, because Rasulullah had said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Ma kuntu ora inna fi dosin ahadan fihi khair. I thought there was none amongst the those with any good. Now imagine, could the Prophet have said that if all the those embraced Islam? He would never do that. <laughs> You, only, you get the impression that he's talking to him by himself. So if why was he by himself? Because he's come with Tufail, radiyallahu, and they've rejected. So the Prophet was saying this, but of course Allah Ta'ala knows best. There's other proofs. Another indirect proof of this is the hadith in Sayyid Bukhari, Abu Dawood Ibn Katil, Sira, volume 3, page 281 of the English translation, in which it mentions there was a heated dispute between Abu Huraira and Abban ibn Sa'id ibn al-As when the spoils of war were being distributed after the fall of Khaybar. So I'm not going through all the report, just the gist of it. There, were, there was a, like an argument between Abu Huraira and a sahaba called Abban ibn Sa'id ibn al-As about the spoils. Abban radiyallahu requested Rasulullah to give him a portion of the spoils. Mm-hmm. Abu Huraira interjected radiyallahu he goes, don't give him a share, Ya Rasulullah. For he killed Kaukal. So, be honest. Do you know what's going on? <laughs> so here, okay, I'm going to dispute. Why is Abu Huraira not wanting Rasulullah to let this Sahaba take spoil? And what did he say? Abu Huraira, he killed Kaukal. Nu'man ibn Malik ibn Ta'laba, radiyallahu. What was he referring to? Abu Huraira. He was referring to an incident during the Battle of Uhud. When Abban, who was still an unbeliever at the time, had killed Ibn Qawqal in the Battle of Uhud. We can therefore clearly deduce from this hadith in Bukhari that when Abu Huraira was now with Rasulullah after the fall of Khaybun, he was clearly not new to Islam, for he was aware of previous events and also was well acquainted with them. Have you understood? Mm-hmm. Are you with me? Right? So, again, putting it simple. Put, putting it very simple. The Abu Huraira, he's talking about Uhud. Now, when he's talking about Uhud, Uhud came. Five years after he had embraced Islam. Have you understood? So, if he's not a Muslim, he's embraced Islam after Khaybar or Khaybar, why is he talking about Uhud? Well, how has he got the knowledge of Uhud? And how does he know about the intricate details? He killed Kaukal. So this indicates he's a Muslim and he knows meaning he must have met the Prophet wasallam, or he must have learned this from other senior companions. So the scholar said, this is another indirect proof. Also, 
Similarly, Abu Huraira would ask the people, Radiallah, inform me about the man who entered paradise without having ever performed a single salah. When the people asked, who could that be? Abu Huraira radiallahu said, that man is Usaydim ibn Abdul Ashhal whose real name was Amr ibn Thabit ibn Waqash This is in Ibn Hisham in his Sida 3-100 Fattul Bari. So now what is he talking about? Abu Huraira is talking again about Uhud. This man initially refused to embrace Islam. But later when he heard at the turn of events at Uhud, he rode straight there, embraced Islam and was shortly martyred. Mm. Rasulullah then famously said of him, وسلم, he worked only a little but has been rewarded immensely. Mm. This is in Sayyid Bukhari number 2808. How did Abu Huraira know about him? Think about this, all these are indirect proofs that he's, why is he so well acquainted about events before he embraced Islam? It means he's already Muslim. Hence these facts and others, should one care to look, are of the utmost importance. For many erroneously believe that this majestic man, who was to become the most prolific narrator of the sacred ahadith, could not possibly have been given this honor for he had only spent just four years with Rasulullah. What they thus failed to take into account was the 10 years of his Islam prior to that, which is clear. Thus, he had been a believer for 14 years during the lifetime of Rasulullah. But of course, Allah knows best. So, this is so important. Why? Because people target Abu Hurairah for only four years, only, and they keep going as if it's like written in stone. And he goes, What's this four years you keep banging on about? He goes, He embraced Islam after Khaybar fell. Did he? Where does it say that? And they start scrambling for the books. He goes, Look, he came with his tribe and this, that. Well, he came with his tribe. That doesn't mean he's not Muslim. And when you actually go through the reports critically, you realize you made a big mistake. And what makes it worse, this person, you've reduced his life. His time with Rasulullah by 10 years. And then he's the most prolific narrator of Hadith. So now you're going to end up making the statement that is only too common. He only spent 3-4 years and he's narrating most Hadith. But if you'd said, well he actually spent 14 years. All of a sudden, there's no case. So again, this is important. That's why I went into this at some length. But now a question. This is certainly worth asking. Why then upon his embracing Islam, did he not migrate to be with Rasulullah? That's it. That's, that's more intelligent a question to ask. He's embraced Islam. He's 20 years old. Okay. He, he's probably a Sahaba as well. But he's gone back with Tufel to his tribe. Why is he waited 10 years to come with his tribe to be with the Prophet So how would you respond to that? Because obviously, you know, if you were around in the lifetime of Rasulullah, you're not going to be away from him. So if you are saying, and the proofs indicate this, that he's a Muslim and he's more than likely a companion, but then he's returned to his tribe, okay, with Tufel, why doesn't he quickly come back? You know, why are you staying away from Rasulullah for so long? So how would you respond to that? Was he told to basically propagate the to his tribesmen? Okay, but you need proof of that. 
There you go. Why is that the more correct answer? A response to this could be due to his aged mother at the time. She had not embraced Islam. So think about it. She's aged. She's not embraced Islam because obviously I mentioned the reports about his mother embracing Islam. That's when the Prophet made a dua. So obviously he's torn. He's thinking, well, I can't just leave my mother. My mother doesn't want nothing to do with the Prophet. So that's probably, and again, we can't say with certainty, but that is more than likely why he was forced to stay with his tribe. If you understood. But then later he went, because why? Because all the tribes coming to embrace Islam now, his mother included. But she doesn't embrace Islam until the Prophet makes a dua. So if you notice, you can go through it with a you know fine comb and you realize where the truth lies here. So note again. Abu Huraira's embracing Islam is not as simple as people make out to be. <laughs> you look at the facts and the figures, you realize that people are making some serious blunders. And when you go through it, you realize. So now if he spent 14 years with the Prophet, that actually makes him a senior sahab, <laughs> not a junior sahab. <laughs> but he was definitely a Muslim during that life, during that period of 14 years. <laughs> the only discrepancy is whether he was a companion of the Prophet but of course, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. And inshallah tomorrow I will mention what happens thereafter. I, when the tribe, now the seventh year after the hijrah, are all coming now to embrace Islam at the hands of the Prophet So all I mentioned today was basically his embracing the glorious faith. I mentioned a little bit about Tufail. And also what's very important to highlight, he now becomes one good deed of Tufail. He now becomes one good deed of Tufail. Now think about that. You can only appreciate how much virtue Tufail has acquired when you go to Abu Huraira's life. And this is showing the virtue of Dawah. If a person is not doing any Dawah, he's really, in worldly terms, he's a, he's a simpleton. Because that is the place where you get the maximum returns. You cannot be the deed of Dawah in terms of returns. Tufail, imagine, Abu Huraira is one of his good deeds. And was touching, Tufail was martyred in the battle of Yamama, in Abu Bakr's Khalifat. So he left the world stage many, many years before Abu Huraira. Are there any questions you'd like to ask? Subhanallah bihamdi, subhanaka Allahumma bihamdika, ashlu la ilaha illa anta astaghfirika atubu alayka, wa zibullahi min shaitan yuhu, ala rabbika la fi'l-izi ta'am ma yasibu, salamu alayhi wa sallim, alhamdulillahi wa alameen, bismillahi wa rahmanirahim, wal asr, insan lafi khusr, alladhina amunu wa amilu salihan, wa asbil haq, wa asbil sabr, salakum alayhi wa sallam.